Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Okay, I don't know what you're about to say, Yeah, but whatever I have to say is more important <laughs> because I, this morning when I was shaving, yes, I, I shaved down to just a mustache and I was like, I think I look good with a mustache. So, so <laughs> then you, then you shaved it off. I shaved it off, but I was like, I really, I really considered keeping it. So, but I, I feel, I feel like you would have made fun of me and maybe that's the only reason why. And that's, that's not <laughs> a good reason to shave your mustache. If you believe in yourself, if you like what you are the way that you're feeling, you shouldn't let what others' opinions you, that you perceive, like just how, for the record, audience. Yeah, there was no time when I saw Jeff with a mustache, and there was just never a time I felt like where I put you down. I felt like you would have made you would have been like, "Why do you have a mustache?" And I would have been like, "I feel good with my mustache." And uh, then what? Do you That's think, it. But no, no, no. Then, then, what do you think I'm going to say after you say this mustache makes me feel powerful and uh, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the word I would have used. Powerful. That's how I felt with my mustache. My mustache, which looked like it conveys. I I I sort of looked. I I want to say Italian. <laughs> that's what you wanted from that. That's what I got from my mustache. I was like, I look Italian. Okay. <laughs> I love the Italian people, Jeff. Mm -hmm. Why would you think that I would insult you and your Italian mustache? My, my Italian heritage? Yeah, what? we're from Harrison, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think that I would do that to you? I'm just saying... What kind of negativity do you get from me? Am I radiating some... Just... Next time I show up with a mustache, don't make fun of me. I won't. Okay. You just wanted everyone to be on the same page. I want everybody out there to know that when I grow a mustache and I look good and I look Italian... Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, can I ask you a question? Yes. I guess two questions. Mm -hmm. One, where's the rat tail? Well, I, honestly, okay, here we go. <laughs> My clippers are in the mail. They are coming on Tuesday. Uh-huh. And I think I could shave it down. Is this all an Italian thing? Like the rat tail and the mustache? Are you trying well, to... No, that's a stereotype. That's, are you that's, going to that's, buy... <laughs> that's a harmful stereotype, and I don't like that. You and your people? <laughs> yeah. Um... And then thousands I, of years. That's right. Just, the Italian, the proud Italian people. Yeah. What's the Italian meal you're making for tonight? Bologna sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fried bologna. Guys, we want to let you know that we have an episode today mm -hmm. with uh, Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend, with Parks from the Joe Budden Podcast, with Joseph Patel, the noted documentarian. And, uh, and then tomorrow... We're going to do Saturdays with the Endor Boys as we do each Saturday. Yep. Sunday, a classic episode of it's Waste the Time with the Real. Yep. And then we're taking a break. Taking, taking a break. A week long break. Uh, yeah, because we put out 51 episodes. Yeah. In a of, row. Well, 51 episodes of, of the actual conversation radio. Yeah. Right? And then we've also had uh, Saturdays with the Indoor Boys and It's Through a Classic, which all require work as well. So yeah, so we we've worked for two months straight. Two months straight. So we're going to take a week off to. Uh, I don't Recalibrate. Know. Yeah, reset. Um, Grow my mustache. Do, <laughs> shave down my rat tail. Do, do some, we're going to do some other work too. And and honestly, do laundry. And and maybe uh, not stay up until 1.30 in the morning editing every night. Yeah. Uh, so... We're gonna we're gonna do that. Don't uh don't leave us. <laughs> yeah, don't don't leave us. Don't don't leave us yeah. out there. Uh, I think this I is a chance. I wonder if our relationship with our audience is that shallow that I people would be not. like, you wanna know what? One week. It's been a week. 
I'm onto something else. Forget them. Yeah. Uh, but what you can do is there's 307 episodes of A Waste Time with It's The Real. There's 51 episodes of Quarantine Radio. There's countless videos on YouTube. There's uh, there's a lot of It's The Real stuff in this world. Hopefully you can find some stuff, revisit it. Pass it along to friends and uh, and get people caught up. Yeah. Do a, do like a forward it to your family. Yeah. You know, when anybody sends you some coronavirus tips. Yeah. Send them back our podcast. Whoa. <laughs> I got a I got a missed FaceTime audio call right there that shocked me. I don't know if anyone was watching on camera, but like it's super loud in the headphones from Jim Jones, which is crazy. Jim Jones I wonder what he wants, but we're not going to find out right now. Do you think he wants like advice? Uh, yes, Jeff. Jim Jones Jim Jones took his son out for a drive and was like, "Hey, let me call some of my good good driving friends, Eric and Jeff." Well, my first of all, my good friends. Actually, you don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my good friends. Uh huh. And one of them is a driver. Yeah, I feel like I could give some good advice. What's that for driving? Yeah. What, what is your What's your advice? Make sure <laughs> put your hand out the window. <laughs> yeah. And just signal. Yeah. Make sure to signal. You well, don't want to be left rude. Is, left is down, <laughs> down and then right is up. Um, What were we saying? Oh, go to patreon.com slash it's the real. That is where you can contribute to uh, this movement that we have. This is 13 years in the making. This is, again, not just quarantine radio, not just a waste of time with it's the real. This is everything that we've done, a great track record so far, everything that we're dreaming up for the future. It's a place where you guys can invest in us. We are... We are creators here who do everything independently, and with your help, we could take it just as far as all the big companies are doing and all the bigger media outlets and all the all the big TV shows out there. We want to compete with them. With your help, we can make this happen. Uh, and you guys can go to patreon.com slash it's the real and join hundreds of others who have uh, shown excitement about what we're doing and, and feel like our voice is an important one and deserves that backing. So thank you to everyone over at patreon.com slash it's the real. And uh, thanks for everyone who's going to join us at patreon.com slash it's the real. Jeff, any last words before we get into the podcast? Yes. Buongiorno. <laughs> Grazie. <laughs> Salud. Yeah. Yeah. The situation. <laughs> pa- Pauly D. <laughs> Vinny. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, J-, J Wow. Oh, wait, there we go. Very Italian. Yeah. yeah. J Wow. <laughs> Snooky. <laughs> the uh, other. Oh, uh, <laughs> Sammy Sweetheart. And and Ronnie. <laughs> J- J- <laughs> Let's get on the phone now with Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend. Ezra. What up? Hey, what's up? What's happening? How are you? I'm all right. How are you? We're we're doing all right too. You know, yeah. day by day, moment by moment. Um, we are. Uh, let's see. Thirteen years into living on the Upper West Side. Uh, we're just curious what the Upper West Side means to you. Well, I'll always kind of consider it the homeland. You know, because oh, what's that? Is that me? No, no, that's us. Sorry. Okay. Um. I'll always consider the Upper West Side kind of the homeland because that's, uh, I guess technically I was born on the Upper East Side. Mm. There's a lot more ho- hospitals there. But, you know, that that's where my parents lived at 100th and West End yeah. when I was a baby. And then, you know, I spent my whole childhood in Jersey. And uh, so I think, you know, when you're like a kid, you're kind of interested in like, where was I born? What happened? So, you know, it always, I always had this kind of, 
special feeling about the Upper West Side. It's like, oh, this is where my parents met. This is where I was a baby. And then, you know, I ended up going to college. Yeah. Deba- debatably on the Upper West Side. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, more like Technic- Morningside Heights, yeah. I guess. But- <laughs> exactly. Colum- Columbia's Morningside Heights, so I, I don't love it when people call it the Upper West Side. It's definitely <laughs> like it. It's definitely real cheesy when Columbia people are like, yeah, we go to school up in Harlem. I know. You definitely don't go to school in Harlem. But, but didn't, anyway, like, Columbia, yeah. like, take over half of Harlem anyway? Well, they took over this area. I forget what it's called. It's kind of, like, very far west Harlem. Yeah, they used eminent domain. Yeah. I don't support, I don't support that. Right, no. exactly. Um, but wait, so did you, like, look at any other schools or was it just Columbia? No, I looked at a bunch, and I applied to a bunch. They were all East Coast schools. I was, like, pretty unambitious about, <laughs> like, traveling that far. Um, at the the end of the ones I actually got into was, came down to Columbia and Brown. And I thought Brown was cool. I took They had, like, a students weekend. I took a train there. Nice. And I was like, this, this seems like a chill spot. But deep down, I, I just, you know, I always just had this, you know, New York. It's like, yeah. even though it's only about you know 30 minutes from the town in new jersey where i grew up and again there's that feeling this is the homeland i want to go back to the uptown manhattan you know for sure um so one of our friends in common is the great dave one from chromio and uh did you guys did you guys meet at columbia while you were both there yes we did and it's so i'm a freshman at columbia and you know being living full-time in the city uh I tried to like go see as many shows as possible. It was very like ambitious when I first got there. And so one show I wanted to go see when I was a freshman was The Streets. Oh, wow. If you remember when the, that first Streets record came out, it was like very fascinating. It was like, what is this weird English, yeah. like spoken word, <laughs> you know, for garage rap? Yeah, so I was yeah. very curious about about the streets, and that I, I I still like that album, and it was the streets' very first concert ever in the U.S. and it was at the Bowery Ballroom. Wow! So I go down with some friends to check it out, and then the opening band was Chromia, who later I found out this was their first New York show ever. I didn't know at the time. So I see these two guys on stage, and they're playing this weird, funny, funky music, and. And I remember they played one of their early hits, Meaty Girl, and there's a part in it when, um, you know, the, the narrator's girlfriend calls him. Yeah. And and so I remember in the show, you know, Dave and P are up there. P's got the talk box. Dave, there's like a part in the song where the phone rings. And yeah. then Dave just like picked up a phone on stage. He's <laughs> like, hello? He's like, no, baby, I'm in the middle of a show. What? Oh, man, forget you. And then he like hung up. And, it was like, and then the song's about... His girlfriend, you know, the, the needy girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. And and so I was just like, this is so weird, and I'm just kind of obsessed with it. But you know, back in uh, the early 2000s, it wasn't you didn't quite have as much immediate access to stuff. So anyway, like the next week, and you know, Dave's a very memorable looking guy. Sure. Um, yeah, tall. Very tall. Tall. Um, and and then the next week, I literally just saw him walking out of uh, the main library at Columbia, and. You know, there's a few. I'm, you know, I'm normally pretty laid back, but you know, there's one of these handful of times in my life where I just felt like I had to go say something, and I was just like, "Oh, hey, man, I, I think I saw you open for the streets." And he was like, "Oh, yeah, that was me. Met my Ben Crumey." I was like, "What are you doing here?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm getting my PhD in French literature," and I was like, "Whoa, what's, <laughs> what's the story with that?" 
so then we always stayed in touch you know since then we've been friends ever since really yeah um i think that uh your guys collaboration of late has been really cool can you talk about for this last album um what dave brought to the table for for you specifically well in some ways it was just making a relationship we always had a little more official because dave's somebody ever since probably starting with the second vampire weekend record i just always love to pick his brain and um play him music and see what he thought I, I have actually very vivid memories of playing him contra demos and seeing which ones he was into and you know wow. had some suggestions here and there so it's always you know we've always been tight that way but i kind of felt like on this record i just wanted to make it a little more official and i wanted the one direction i wanted to go in especially was to be a little more rigorous about certain lyrical things because i felt like for me i'd uh, I'd hit the the zenith of a certain type of abstract Upper West Side surrealist style <laughs> <laughs> that I that I perfected on a few songs, if I do say so myself. You know, but on this record, I was like, I want to have a few songs that have lines that hit, you know, that feel deep but are straightforward. Anyway, Dave, being a student of pop music and stuff, he, I really like. That and also being a French literature PhD, yeah. as, as, as discussed, he, I knew that he'd be a good person, not just to play him demos like always and talk about what we think is cool and what's going on in culture, but also just to play him, uh, show him lyrics and kind of sometimes go line by line. And, you know, it's we've done, again, we did elements of it before, but at a certain point, you know, it's kind of like with any any art you do you're always going to have a close group of friends who are always down to come over and like listen to what you're doing at a certain point, you know, if you want to monopolize their time one step further, you should really like offer, you should say to them like, no, be, be more of an official part of this. You know, you're, you're one of the executive producers, you know, that that's how it felt. And, you know, and I, and I really like that aspect of like having Dave looped in. Yeah. Um, him playing stuff, him giving notes and, and especially that kind of rigorous uh, lyrical editing. Was there any was there any moment bef- beforehand or after the Grammys where you guys you know sat down and were like, man, you know, like honestly, like running into each other, coming out of the library, going into the library, all those years back then to end up in Los Angeles winning on that stage together? Did you sort of take this all in and 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 give give it that context? Um. I don't know if we quite had that moment, but I, one thing I will say is that Dave always like really believed in the album, and he's like, "This is Grammy, and I'm thinking, and we'll see." Because you know, we won one Grammy. If if that's if that was that, so be it. Obviously, there's so much behind the scenes with awards and stuff. You just can't count on anything. Yeah, I will say that 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 category that we've won in best alternative album. It's some people might disagree, but to me, when you look through the past winners. It's one of the least cringe categories that the Grammys have to offer. Like, you know, it's like if you look back, you're like, all right, but, you know, it's a solid mix of artists that I respect. So I've always been kind of like, all right, if that's the one award we ever get and it's in that category, maybe it's for the best. But yeah, so Dave always rode for it. Um, and uh, so I think he felt uh, vindicated <laughs> and, and, I, and I appreciated that. And, and one thing I'll say about Dave too is that he came out to i think he was in new york at the time so he came out to come to the grammys and so then we you know we do the red carpet and we everybody's hanging out there's a nice crew of people 
And then, you know, after it ends, there's like a million parties to go to. And Dave was like, ah, I'm not going to go to the party. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, fair enough. You're, Dave's a real one. Yeah. He said he didn't want to go to the parties. Then we won. Still didn't want to go to the parties. He just wanted to go have a quiet night at home. And That's great. He said, we already had a, we already had a great time together. Uh, so, you know, fair enough. Shout I, out to Dave. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, I also loved that... I, I, I don't know how I happened upon this because I don't um, actually have uh, Apple Music, but I saw that Larry David ended up unexpectedly on your podcast. Yes, that's true. Well, I got to differentiate here. That I What I have is an internet radio show, mm. and I got nothing against the podcast community of which <laughs> you guys are major <laughs> members, but technically speaking, it's... You can't get it in the podcast story because it's basically, you know, Beats One, Apple Music. It's a radio station, and it's interesting. There's trade-offs. On the one hand, we get to play as much music as we want. Yeah. We can use a big chunk, but on the other hand, you can't get it in the podcast store. Yeah. There's weird rules about, like, pausing and rewinding. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the yeah, it's because his, his daughter, Cassie, who's very funny and cool, she's always, like, she kind of knew one member of our crew, Seinfeld 2000, kind yeah. of a legendary meme maker. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. And, one of my favorite accounts. I don't know who's behind it. I love it. He's he's a good guy. Even the man behind the mask is cool, too. And so he, over time, he became part of it. So he's always been, he has all these connections to the Seinfeld community. So way back in the day, he was like, hey, do you know Cassie David? And I was like, no, I don't think so. And he's like, oh, we won't have her on the show. And then she became part of the family, too. And so, yeah, during our quarantine edition, we're FaceTiming and we're just, you know, chopping up about this and that. And then her dad just kind of came into her room and she was like, oh my God, what are you? And then, he, yeah, he was very good natured and, you know, did a few minutes and of just chatting with us and we were trying to keep it cool, but totally unexpected, very yeah. much in shock. I mean, like, you know, I'm sure that like you grew up a huge Seinfeld fan and I'm sure, I'm sure a huge Curb fan. Like, is there one series that you prefer over the other like what what is your uh where does your seinfeld fandom go that's a good question i mean obviously curb is like this a living entity you know and even the last season had some real highlights um he's i found you know sometimes people are very hard on new seasons of curb because the old stuff's so classic but i would say just about every season there's there it hits the highs that that you know the whole series has. so it's hard to compare i mean it, it really depends on the flavor on the most basic level of course there's some exceptions but basically it's like do you want to be in new york or la right the yeah. curb curb will always you know if you want that 90s new york vibe even though it was shot mostly in la yeah that's the funny thing about seinfeld yeah it's it is you know seinfeld has a little more nostalgia um so yeah kind of like alternate I can't. I can't really say that I have a preference. So, uh, talking about New York versus Los Angeles, you are basically a Los Angelino at this point. What is it like to go through the pandemic uh, in a place where you can, you know, spread out and and I guess get out uh, get outside for a little fresh air and sort of not be cooped in a New York City apartment? Well, you know, I, I think it's much easier, and my my heart really goes out to all my friends and family in New York because, I mean, the number one thing that I, I think about, I guess it depends where you live in New York, but the number one thing is elevators because if you, uh, 
that's you know when i pictured my my old spot in new york just and and how much sometimes even stepping outside the house can feel a little bit stressful depending on what kind of mood you're in or what kind of task you have ahead of you the idea that you got to first things first get in the elevator and now you're thinking about the button and i'm sure everybody has developed their uh strategies by now i know nobody's just gonna hit the button and scratch <laughs> with, with their finger and scratch their face but again that's just like one more obstacle that you got to think about so yeah to not to not really be dealing with elevators uh and the kind of living in a densely packed building of course it's it's that just that much less to worry about but uh you know, yeah, I still, what is, I still miss New York so much. What is your routine out there? Do you like make sure that you get like groceries for the week? Are you like uh, able to uh, get outside at all? Well, do I mean, you, or do you even go to the grocery store? Like, are you like or getting do like, deliveries? Yeah, do yeah. delivery. It's a mix, but yeah, definitely the the delivery isn't is not too difficult here. I heard some stories from friends in New York that like the first couple of weeks order some delivery, you know, some groceries from somewhere, and they'd be like, all right you know, maybe in three days or, or something. I, I imagine it's chilled out by now. But yeah, it, that hasn't, getting groceries delivered hasn't been too much of a problem. Neither is going to the grocery store. So yeah, it's a mix, trying to minimize uh, trips outside. But yeah, I've also, I think like a lot of people chilled out a little bit. I think there's a few, a few weeks of like really not going outside much. Now I'll, I'll go for walks more often and my steps have obviously plummeted. <laughs> you used to be a big stepper. I got to get those numbers back up. Um, Ezra, do you feel one way or another creatively? Are you like more focused? Are you more active? Do you feel like this is a time for you to really, you know, take all of your ideas and put them into motion? Or are you more in the, the style of... Uh, like you're spiraling out of control on a, <laughs> on a very existential level. Yeah. I'm definitely not spiraling out of control, or you know, no, no more than normal. You know, like anybody, I, I sure. have my. I mean, you are Jewish, kind of, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, true, I've got my pessimistic moments and stuff. But I, I, one thing I, I've, I've been thinking about is, um, I don't know. I something about the the lifestyle of being a musician for the past however long, been doing it professionally, ten ten plus years, twelve years, has kind of prepared me for this. Because when you go on tour. And you go work your ass off for a month or more, and then you get home and you have a month off. You that month will vanish, and you might not really do all that much. And you're not gonna. Hopefully, you're not too hard on yourself because you're exhausted. And you came home, and it's like this. Your life's a weird blur. So, I I think some some people really feel like, oh man, I'm suddenly home for months. I feel like I just slammed on the brakes. This is crazy. All my routines are gone. Everything is so weird. Whereas for me, I'm like, I've I've been home for three months and it vanished in a second. You know, I just zoned out. So there's something about, I'm pretty good at just the, you know, frittering the day away. Just just watching the time vanish. Yeah. Does the, the greater... Uh, you know, pandemic idea color all of your creativity? Like, if, if you're thinking about, like, writing, whether that's music or TV or film or whatever, does it sort of seep in and give you, like, some sort of base of where to go? Like, does it... Are you, like, writing things with COVID or, you know, darker themes or heaviness, uh, you know, at all? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm mostly just trying to... I, you know, I write some lyrics here and there, but my process has always been slow. So, you know, I just write a lot of chord progressions these days. 
things where you don't have to think too much about well, is that word going to seem corny yeah. in the post-COVID world? Is yeah. that phrase going to be taken out of context? You know, these chord progressions can be taken out of context too, but n- not as obviously. Right. So I, I'm trying to focus on that stuff, and um, yeah, we'll see. Because I, I do feel like the it's it's hard to. I've always believed that, you know, a good album is a bit of a snapshot of a moment. And if you're lucky, maybe it even feels a little bit ahead of the curve. Hopefully not too much, but a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of like, I don't know, mapping out some feelings or vibes of where the world's heading. And I think that's essentially impossible to do right now. Yeah. Um, the, you know, because I, I, I've seen, I've seen every type of, opinion about what kind of music the world needs i've seen people be like well, the world needs like darker music to reflect the, the state of affairs and then there was this like viral tweet some like billboard article that was like music industry wants more happy songs and people were like fighting about that And you're like look it's <laughs> that that to me just feels like trying to predict the stock market right if you're just like the national mood dropped 40 points time to drop some happy shit <laughs> like that's that's not the way to think so i feel like now's a good time to chill out maybe work on some musical stuff write down a few ideas and wait a minute to kind of like really send it in the in the direction of an album yeah well i mean like what is a what's the smallest because i mean like you've had some like there's the obvious things that i think have influenced your music and then there's like very small things like i think that you you had some like hip-hop stuff in in your first and and second albums um that were like Mm -hmm. especially overt so like what's the smallest like reference point that people might not know maybe influenced you but like was a an inside joke or something like what what was something that 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 yeah holds a special place in your heart yeah hmm yeah it's it's hard to say because yeah I, I think of the obvious things like obviously people early music you know there's this paul simon peter gabriel yep. vibe there's kind of like a punk new wave vibe elvis Costello squeeze and, and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um obviously classical and baroque music and then yeah there's some very notable allusions to classic hip-hop one of our songs on our third album is, is literally based on a souls of mischief song <laughs> so it's like kind of built into the fabric of it so yeah, those are all kind of key points. Um, like, yeah, a kind of surprising influence. Um, I don't know. That's a hard one because probably the the really deep ones, I got to keep secret anyway. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, how has uh, being a father uh, changed your creative uh, path? Well, you know, we'll see. I uh, it was funny with kind of the timing of the last album because the uh, I wrote the vast majority of it before I even knew I was going to become a father, let alone you know was one and yeah. felt you know what that was like. So I was you know, and we're pretty private anyway. But I was you know, so when it kind of like became this public thing, I was like, oh man, now everybody's going to hear this record as being like the dad album right. and also the album had the, it's called father of the bride so it has the word father in the title but at the same time so i, I was kind of like dreading that i was like all the critics and people are going to be like this is like the fatherhood domestic album and i and then actually it turned out that i got some really nice notes from people who kind of would say stuff about like 
you know, when your first album came out, I was in college. Now I'm a dad, and I heard that you're a dad. And when I listened to this record, I felt something. And I'm, and you know, and I, I really appreciate yeah. that actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't, I'm not trying to correct them. Was like actually, uh, <laughs> whatever you're feeling is pure projection. <laughs> because the truth, because who knows? You know, this the same way I was saying. Sometimes, if you're lucky, an album predicts some kind of vibe that's about to happen in yeah. culture or or something that's going to happen in the world you know maybe you even predict it with your own life so i can't deny that that even if i didn't know explicitly i was going to become a dad you know when you're making a record in your early 30s at the very least you know that yeah. you know that you're approaching <laughs> middle age and you know people who have had kids maybe not a lot you know i, I know musicians so the average age of people I know who have kids is like, you know, 50. Yeah. Compared to like, <laughs> in a, you know, in a town where people have kids when they're 20, but, right. um, but still, yeah, I think, I think it has, yeah, maybe it's a predictive thing. And yeah, when I look at the future, um, it's a little bit hard to say. I think it's, I think it probably affects everybody differently because it's like, you know, one thing's for sure. It, it absolutely, having a kid or even just spending time with a kid because I imagine aunts and uncles can feel this way or just people who work with children just uh it makes you think a lot about human nature and development and stuff that when you haven't spent any time with a child you could totally forget about and and in a weird way you know childhood kind of is a makes you think about adulthood too for sure that's like that's that's been an interesting thought that I've had and you know I think there's a lot of psychology that kind of also goes in the school of thought which is that kind of like everything that a child does when they're happy and when they're sad it doesn't exactly vanish from adults it it, it shows itself in more sophisticated ways or it gets hidden or moved around but you know all this children being feeling upset or lonely or you know what's going to happen when that person walks out of the room these things have a big impact all for the rest of your life so yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i find all that stuff um pretty interesting so maybe that has some effect because you know songwriting to some degree is about thinking about what it means to be a human and the interactions between people and then i'm sure there's obviously going to be all sorts of uh feelings in the future for sure about like touring and stuff and you know had to be present so yeah that's, that, you know that's one this one upside to the quarantine yeah we've spoken to actually a lot of a lot of friends uh who have kids and and they've said that because uh, you know when we show concern for our friends kids they're like oh no they're they're perfectly fine like through all of this they're sort of like you know just living in the moment it's obviously adults who have to worry about the bigger picture um when it comes to your social media, do you have like a healthy diet uh, of going online and staying offline? Or have you found sometimes like us, you wake up and immediately go to read the news and, and just dive right in and start your, your whole day from there? I go back and forth. Um, I've sometimes, like I feel like I'm in a pretty good groove now. It's like go on Twitter maybe a couple times a day, look around, barely you know feel like maybe click on a few links to articles that's it check instagram slightly more but still not like you know endless hours and you know and that's kind of it but then i will i find it like sneaks up on you like you feel like you're in a good groove and the next thing you know you've been like 
why have I felt so weird for three weeks? Then you realize, oh yeah, I've been spending hours and hours every day. <laughs> yeah. Just like looking looking at this shit. Yeah. Looking at people fight, wanting to like jump in the fray and holding yourself back. It's like so much extra drama uh, and anxiety. So yeah, I, I definitely like slipped. And the and the weird part about slipping is that it can you can slip into like a really bad I'm sure everybody feels this way, right? You can slip into a really bad rhythm of being on social media too much, being on the internet too much, yeah. not not reading anything deeply, yep. just using that like really small part of your brain that takes a few sentences. And then next thing you know, four months went by and you just feel like shit. And I think to me, it's really similar actually to, because I've never had an amazing relationship with exercise either. And as I get older, I'm really trying to get more on top of it. Yeah. But it's that same kind of feeling where you're like, you're in a good groove. You're working out a few times a week. You you say to yourself, "Man, I really feel good and, and and happy and balanced when I do this." And then you know you got a crazy week with work, and oh, you couldn't go to the gym or something. Yeah, next week and then the whole thing just it. gets derailed. Yeah. yeah. And then you and then a few months later, you might literally be like, like the world is bullshit, and you're kind of like, "How did I get to this place?" And then one party is like, "Well, you left a very significant." mood boosting activity <laughs> fall by the wayside so that yeah there's something there like so i'm really trying and i think in these times definitely the first couple of months i was like slipping into less than great routines I, now, now i feel like i'm in a better spot so hopefully i can keep it up yeah no for us by the way like we went into this and and we started doing yoga from uh there's this girl in austin who's super popular on youtube named adrian and she has a yoga series and so uh mm-hmm. You know, we, we both do that on a regular basis with this girl who makes corny jokes, but it's like, you know, it's our corny jokes. You know, it, it like it feels like we're part of something. And like, if you, if you can give it. The- yeah, it's what I imagine, like how teens feel about different like YouTubers. Like, it's just like, oh, like, what is Adrian up to today? Yeah. Like, you have like a weird <laughs> relationship with her now. But we have we have yeah. that on, on one hand. And on the other hand, we were talking to Jim Jones yesterday and Jimmy was just like, yeah, like I will I will, you know, hit you up just like I hit Fat Joe up and all these other people to like keep you on this straight and narrow to make sure that you focus and exercise every day so we have adrian on one hand and and jim jones on the other so that's how we'll get through this you know yeah well i mean like ezra are you working out like during all this i know you said you have a a weird relationship working out i've never really worked out before or do you join uh dave one and and a track who have just started uh biking religiously i i'm not sure if you know, I've moved around so much over the past decade. I, I, I actually am not sure where my bike is. It could be in New York. It could be in <laughs> a storage facility in Long Island. It could it's be not your bike zone. anymore. Yeah, That's I, right. Yeah. yeah. I, I got to find out. Um, that but, bike you know, is for I the streets. Biking. I, 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 one decent thing I do is somebody put me onto the seven-minute workout, which you can – there's a million versions on YouTube or apps. And it's a very simple seven-minute workout that does something. Um, and I try to make sure at the bare minimum I do the seven minute workout every day, which apparently was developed by scientists. Mm. But, you know, sometimes I say to myself, what do you think you're accomplishing just seven minutes every day? Well, I need to like, I mean, from there's something about Mary, too. yeah, you know, seven <laughs> is the magic number. <laughs> yeah, no, that, so, yeah, so there's that. I want to do a little bit more. And I also just gotta, it's been, I just, I just gotta like, don't have my usual like eating routine either way more pasta and things like that yeah well listen uh ezra it is wonderful to hear your voice it's uh i think very important that your voice continues throughout this thing in, in whatever course it takes um 
and by the way, uh, at, at whatever pace it takes too. So uh, we're wishing you uh, all the all the luck in in creative uh, ventures. I think we're wishing Thank you, you. Uh, all you and yours all the best. Stay healthy, stay indoors, and and stay creative. And uh, hopefully, on the other side of this, we can sit down and have a real hour long podcast or internet radio thing, whatever we'll call it. Um, <laughs> and until then, be well. All right. Absolutely. Good talking to you guys. Jeff, let's get on the phone now with our friend Parks from the Joe Budden Podcast. Hello. Parks! <laughs> what up? Hey! How are you? I'm great. How are you? We're doing all right. Listen, uh, you, like us, work out of home, so uh, staying at home this amount of hours, this amount of days, isn't exactly foreign to you, but how are you taking to it? Uh, it's not foreign to me at all. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to be completely honest, it, it's it, it's fine. It's actually given me a lot of time to... Uh, get done stuff that I wouldn't have time to do while I'm running around on all types of film sets and recording studios and stuff. Yeah. It also must be like really nice not to have Joe Budden sitting (laughs) in your house for like six hours. It's very thankful. (laughs) No, because as Parks mentioned, uh, Joe does show up ahead of time and likes to just hang out. (laughs) Right. So, um, uh, Parks, I, I think people, once they saw the Joe Budden podcast, not put out any episodes for a couple weeks, there was a little cause for concern. Can you just talk about the plan of action that you guys took to make sure that you could record remotely and that all your sound would be A plus as usual? Uh, it was difficult. It was it, we, we spent a lot of days um, doing test runs and trying different things. And the first episode sounded like shit. Uh, we got catfished by Zoom. Really? Wait, what does that mean? Uh, so we did a, a trial run with Zoom, and it sounded great, but everyone wasn't on, and uh, it wasn't as long, I guess. So I think when Zoom, you put more people on it, it gets bogged down, and it decreases the audio quality. So I definitely thought that you meant that like a dick had shown yeah, up. Yeah, someone was like, showed up did in this thing, not? Yeah. <laughs> no, we did not. We did not get Zoom bombed, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, it didn't sound good. Um, so then we we found a new way where everybody basically records at home and then sends me all the shit, and then I gotta send sit there for hours lining it all. Up, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of annoying, but it, it works, so it's cool. Well, by the way, you are the person that like is now the go to for if any problems go wrong on in, the internet. Yeah, on on the internet, like oh, yeah. people just call Parks. It's uh, it's 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 quite a cross to bear, uh, burden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that uh. We were we were particularly happy that you still returned our texts. Um, if we have any issues with uh, with sound, we we go to you. Uh, but when it came to the DJ premiere and RZA battle, there were so many people who were excited that you were there to save the day. The NBA shouted me out, guys. Uh, <laughs> that's fucking nuts. That's fucking nuts. That's like was, that's like Savon being shouted out by Kim Kardashian. You know. Yeah. It was up there. It was up there. Not quite. It wasn't that level, but the NBA is a pretty big deal. Yeah. So how did that go down? Like, did you did you anticipate anything going wrong? Were you uh, letting everyone know that you would be there, or did you you heard something yourself and decided to jump into uh, into the deep end? I mean, I've, I've watched the battle things pretty faithfully, um, so I was just watching, and it it, it was kind of rough to listen to. So I texted Prem, and you know, he. he relayed the message to Riza and things got better. So I, I was just happy as a fan uh, and also to help DJ Premier and the Rizzo is like everything of my teenage dreams. Yeah. <laughs> um, had you uh, known about iRig before and did you ever want to hear about iRig afterwards? 
Um, I, I've been familiar with iRig, yeah. Um, there's a couple of people that um, I can't remember the producer's name. There's a producer that is fairly famous for using just his iPhone and, and iRig. Um, in any case, I, I'm familiar with it, but I, I didn't realize that it added that like that latency or whatever, um, which kind of sucks. But um, yeah, I don't, I, that, I don't, I don't want to talk about iRig. <laughs> <laughs> Not until that sponsorship check comes in. That's right. Are there any right. are there any DJs that you see when you tune into their Instagram lives who are doing it better than another DJ? Um, I mean, sonically, uh, no. I mean, not really. Um, I've been enjoying Lord Finesse's uh, DJ sets a lot. He's, I mean, first of all, he's one of my favorite people in the world, and uh, but he just does he plays the music that I want to hear. He's yeah. playing like '90s hip hop, and he's playing R and B from the '80s and '90s, and uh, I love what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, for for us, we've been tuning into, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the D Nice is in the Quest Loves and all that, but like, I've been really enjoying what DJ Green Lantern's been doing. I think that it it's been like uh, refreshing. He's been doing like themed nights. He's been, uh, you know, uh, I- implementing pictures into his backgrounds and really doing cool things that way. Just Blaze is another one who has like I just think has been cool green screens like around his like studio and that he's able to like you know just put different images as if he is on some sort of like battleship you know out in outer space i feel like i've been going into like very weird corners like i i was watching zach bia or whatever his name is like these like influencer kids who hang out with drake okay and they were doing like these very strange like uh projections before anybody was doing green screen like they were the first ones that i saw oh really like what like i i i was so just like off the deep end just like trying to figure out how they were doing this well parks is there room for you to jump in and do a battle much like rory or or joe were able to do battles like and if so who are you looking to uh by the way this is maul erasure and i will not have oh it. no that's true maul absolutely started it off but uh in terms of in terms of where you want to go with it is there room for you i haven't really uh i haven't thought about it honestly i mean I've, i guess i've thought about it but i, I don't know i don't know <laughs> you don't feel passionately I... about one artist more than another I mean, sure. Um, I don't know who I would do though. I don't because I feel like the people that I would do have already done their sets. So, are you uh, here? Are you here for uh, for more artists to get involved rather than just like the producers or the songwriters? I like all of it, honestly. I, I like I like the producers doing it. I like DJs doing it because that that shines light on that side of the culture. I think that's really cool. Um, I like I like everyone doing it. I I really do. I think that they should continue to make sure that they include everybody because, although I understand getting the super mega stars in there, having you know songwriters who people may not be familiar with, and having producers that people don't know they did this record and that record. I think that that's important and and really cool. Yeah. Um, Parks, we uh we did an episode a few days ago. I think uh like earlier this week that was. Uh, three engineers. Yes, we called it the engineers episode. But can we call this one the engineers episode, even though you are the only uh, engineer that is actually on it? Um, I'm I'm kind of sad that I wasn't on the last <laughs> one. So I mean, Parks, uh, when you who record, else is, who else is on this one with me? When you, uh, it's Ezra Koenig from uh, Vampire Weekend. From Vampire Weekend, oh, and wow. it's Huge Joseph. Fan. Yeah, and yeah. Joseph Patel, uh, formerly of MTV News, and uh, shot a bunch of documentaries, currently finishing one off with uh, Questlove. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, but, but Park, since we have you here, when you record someone, uh, do you like to make sure to record low so you don't have uh, 
have them hitting the ceiling or whatever? Or do you sort of like plan ahead and understand that maybe there's there's some middle ground for them uh, if they have a lot of range? Uh, I record with compression almost always. So that kind of negates the need for... Um, so for, you, were, for, you were... I'm sorry, you record with compression... Hardware compression actively yeah, like on after while you're the recording. preamp. Yeah, after the mic goes to the preamp, preamp goes to the compressor, compressor goes to the interface. So uh, I have something catching peaks, and I have like a certain sweet spot depending on the compressor that I'm using where I want it to hit. So as long as they're hitting in that range, then I'm cool. Um, and if they go too hot, it, it, it'll catch it. So, so it won't peak. are we doing something wrong that we're not using compression until afterwards? Um, no, there's different ways to do it. There's different um, philosophies behind that, that doing means it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, Parks is like being like very just like, yeah, yeah, no, Here's I mean, like, you're thing. doing fine, sweetie. But like, you know. Here's the thing is if you don't really know how to use compressors well. Damn. Um, <laughs> no shots. <laughs> Sounds like some I'm, I'm speaking in general for the general listening public here. Yeah. If you don't know how to use compression well, you can Like Eric doesn't. Yeah. Over compress. <laughs> And it'll sound crazy. Um, so I think you guys are doing the safe thing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, There's nothing wrong with the system <laughs> that you're using. I just are you winking? I know. Yeah. <laughs> he has his fingers crossed, and it is opposite day. That's right. Yeah. Wait. Uh, while we are talking about like engineering problems, okay. So when we when we call people, you can tell on our end by the ring whether it's going to be a a high fidelity call or not. You know, like because mm. if it if it rings low, then you're just like you have to dump the call, and so you end up looking like a psychopath because <laughs> you call people like four times and it rings once, and you just keep hanging up until you get a good <laughs> ring. So, is there any way to get around that? I would recommend using FaceTime audio if it's all at all possible. Yeah, we have we have done that too, and that has worked. Uh, but it it also has this this weird quality to it. I feel like where it's like super clear, and it's it's almost like not of this world if that makes any but sense. But also like the, del- <laughs> the the delays are very weird. Like it'll glitch oh, yeah? in in weird ways. Yeah. So, oh. So not familiar with that. Well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We're only 50. The only other way to do it would be to have them record like on GarageBand or something on their laptop right. and then send you the file afterward. Yeah, and and is uh, it too late for you to do that right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Parks I is like was planning on doing it, but we got started. So yeah, <laughs> Parks is like Rick Rubin. He just like records all the time. Yeah, or like Richard Nixon. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you feel like your your workload has increased now that you have all these artists at home, and seemingly a lot of them do have equipment to start recording? Are they sending you more stuff now, or is it sort of like quieted it down, or is it somewhere in the middle? Uh. I think it's kind of the same in a way. Uh, there are definitely more people recording from home. Um, and like we talked about earlier, a lot of troubleshooting and, hey, how do I do X, Y, Z? Um, so that, that's that been increased a lot, just like helping people figure out how to record. Um, I've been doing that a lot. Um, but as far as like day-to-day, you know, people send me sessions, I would say it's pretty much the same-ish. And does it matter that they're not there with you? Like, do you prefer to be by yourself when you're doing a mix, or do you want an artist there to sort of bounce ideas off of in person? Oh, I mix by myself almost exclusively, unless I'm working with, you know, a producer like Premier Showbiz or, you know, some some producer that is very hands-on with their stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I prefer to mix by myself because... I find that people will start suggesting things like you'll be working on one thing and they'll be suggesting <laughs> things that like you're not even I'm not there yet, bro. Like <laughs> I know that you want like a delay here, but I'm not I'm still working on your EQ or you know, whatever. 
So it can be kind of frustrating having someone in the room with me, even you know during regular times. Yeah. So um, this, this this is fine. Um, although there are times when you know there's something very specific that they want or whatever, and that gets a little difficult because you're sending things back and forth a million times and trying to hopefully do it right or getting out of Zoom and things aren't really clear. So you know it just leads to a lot more revisions, I guess ultimately. Um, yeah. But it's cool. Um, when you're giving artists advice about how to set up like their home studios and and all that stuff, dudes, does part of you want to just like give bad advice so that they can keep coming back to you? <laughs> no, actually, no. Uh, I, I want I want the shit to sound good. So when they send it to me, I can I can mix it and it sounds good. Well, okay, but let me let me like uh, put some more uh, uh, context. context to yeah. this. So I ordered clippers. Uh, to cut my own hair and I feel like a little bit like I'm taking my barber's job if I if I start doing and by the way I haven't actually cut my hair yet right but like in in the uh, instance that I do really well <laughs> <laughs> like I might be taking my barber's job away uh, yeah possibly I, I, I cut my hair frequently I haven't um, I'm just using this as an excuse to grow a long curly afro but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of look like I could be related to you guys now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it, I, I ultimately, well, I guess this is not a, a equal thing to a barber situation, but um, whatever's going to make this stuff sound good is going to make my job easier, ultimately. So, um, yeah, I want it to be good. Yeah, I mean, you're, plus, you're really no, like, it's hard to record yourself. If you're a vocalist and you want to, like, punch in a mid mid verse or whatever that's not an easy thing to do so well i mean it's also not it's not easy out, to cut your hair <laughs> that is true um that is true it's very difficult parks uh you are recently engaged congratulations once again how does this whole covid19 pandemic shutdown lockdown thing uh affect your wedding planning um we weren't planning to get married till 2021 so i guess that will remain to be seen Hopefully it doesn't really affect it much. I mean, we're going to have like some engagement parties and stuff like that that obviously can't really happen. But um, no, they can. You can just do it on Zoom. <laughs> do a I mean, Zoom we party. do have parties every single weekend on Zoom <laughs> with all our loved ones. So oh wow, you guys are popping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's our. That's kind of our ritual. Is Friday nights or Saturday nights? We we get on Zooms with our friends and family and yeah. What is shit. your What is your background? Uh, on Zoom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's my house. Wait, my shit is popping, guys. Wait, when, when I asked her what's your background, did you think I was gonna like you were gonna say like Filipino or something? <laughs> yes, actually. Uh, no, but you you don't do like a beach in your background. You don't do like uh, a funny picture of like a relative or anything. Wait, do like you that? do the room that like like the Joe Budden podcast like background? Oh, that yeah, yeah. like that background. Are you you really do that? I do. We have like cool lights. Like we have like film lights. So, you know, we do like purples and blues and I have two different camera angles and hey, I have a sound you, effects board hooked up. Yo, like, the cloud. It's a pretty entertaining of, Friday night. No, I'm that's a great zoom. Yeah. The cloud of having the Joe Budden podcast like background as your background. That's pretty good. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's like like the office like for most people. Yeah. You know? But like you're actually there. Yeah. yeah. I think that uh, right. now we have to step up our Zoom with like mom and Aunt Jane and Dan, you know, and get some sound effects there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, don't cut them short, guys. Yeah. 
Uh, Parks, how often do you get out of the house? So we're, we're people like you, like we said, we, we live this life of, hey, we record from our house, we work from our house, we live in our house. That is our life. That, that, that's our life. But like, we've, we've taken the time to uh, get out and go for like a mile walk or get out. Uh, we do our food shopping at midnight because well, we have a 24 hour place. But, but also, I mean, like we oh, live nice. on the Upper West Side and it, it's emptied out because a lot of people have left for like the Hamptons or like places that uh, we cannot afford and we have no connections to so like how does a story feel right now like what is the mood around you um well for starters i don't i don't go out very much uh i, I have like a little bit of a backyard that i can go out and um get fresh air and then we, we work out back there a little bit do little exercises and i go to the grocery store probably twice a week i try not to go very often right um and get everything that i can get delivered delivered and that's about it um uh, but Astoria is still very kind of much the same, except for people are wearing masks now. I mean, there's a, there's kind of a lot of people in the street, which is a little scary, but it is what it is. I mean, especially on a nice day like today. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is that, like, the incidence rate has gone down so much because, of, like, they say that masks are way more effective than they had thought. And so, you know, it, it's a good thing that, uh, that everybody's wearing masks, you yeah. know? Um, Parks, when it came to doing uh, this new remote version of the Joe Budden podcast, was there any thought in your mind? It, l- listen, it's way funnier to have that that camera set up and you be off camera still. Was there any possibility that you would be on camera when you guys started? Um, I I just didn't because I thought it was funny. Yeah, it's great. Um, I've had people say you should get on camera, but I don't. I, I think it's funnier with me off camera. Yeah, it's not like there's no science or reason behind it i just think it's funny um i'm not like trying to build a shroud of mystery or all these things it's just i I think it's funny so i continue to do it um yeah it's not really that it's not that deep no it's 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 Um, it's been pretty great and i'm I'm very glad that you guys got the audio straight because uh it sounds once again like you're all there uh that you're all with each other and uh and still getting the same old joe button podcast so for that we appreciate you uh for the audio advice we appreciate you and uh and this sunday this saturday when uh this saturday when when nelly and Ludacris go against each other we'll look forward to hearing your your voice in the background should they need any help uh parks <laughs> parks be safe out there take care of yourself you and yours and uh, we'll be checking in all right thank you guys thanks for calling let's get on the phone now with our friend the documentarian joseph patel Hello. Joseph! What up? You know how long I've been waiting for this call? <laughs> uh, you told us three years, and uh, Jeff read that text aloud, and I was just like, what happened to the first two years? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joseph, how are you and, your, and yours doing? Uh, yeah, well, you know, we're doing okay. It's, I, I mean, it's, um, it's very heavy. So it takes a conscious effort to not always have that heaviness on you on you you know what i mean yeah we do yeah um so yeah but uh, but healthy together um which is fortunate and a blessing so i mean how are you keeping your mind off of things like what what do you do every day to you know move forward yeah you know it's weird because up until um last friday i was still working on this documentary that uh i'm producing with quest yes and uh starting at the beginning of march 
in, into self-isolation slash quarantine, um, we were still working on it for however many weeks that was, six or seven weeks. So, um, so that was strange because it gave me some sort of structure for my day and, you know, I'd have to wake up and do team calls. Everyone's working out of their own homes. Thankfully, our editor has a full setup in his house. Um, and then it just took a lot of discipline just to, you know, work through the day and not get distracted. So, um, so for me, it's been, there's been a built-in structure for the most part. Um, and I think that's really important to just, you know, at least for me, like if I don't have any structure to my day, then it just goes off the rails. For sure. Right. Then then I'm staring at a box of, you know, hip hop ephemera for 16 hours straight. (laughs) Well, actually (laughs) worse would probably be staring at like Trump on your television all day. So, so at least you have the, the memorabilia there. So, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it's, um, it's been it's been okay now since last Friday this this week this last the four days this week it's been um, it's been good it's been good just to like you know the weather's been nice so going out on walks with my with my wife and my dog um, and just being able to sleep in a little bit but yeah but yeah well when yeah. it comes when it comes to that documentary has the sort of open endedness of this thing the the reality that we're all not going to be in movie theaters. We're all not going to be uh, doing things traditionally moving forward. Does the idea that everything now is going to be direct to consumer, seen at home through Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, does that change anything in terms of how you guys uh, put together this documentary? I mean, probably not. Um, It won't change anything, but I think it does change our expectations. Like, I think we you know, one of the expectations going into this project when we started this six months ago was that it was going to be a theatrical documentary. Um, you know, we, we took, we made very careful decisions to make it not feel like something on television, Mm -hmm. not to knock that, but just, there's a right. Like we, we, we went in with, with wanting very cinematic interviews, um very you know an editing style that made you feel like you know you weren't just watching this on a tv somewhere but like you know draw people into theaters so so that's what we what we did and um and now it all looks like zoom calls (laughs) yeah Yeah, and now everything everything on television looks like looks like you're on zoom so uh i don't think it'll change anything else because we're now we're on we're basically paused until we figure out what's going on. Yeah, um, we've we've worked about as far on this documentary as we can do. We still have a couple of interviews left to do, and we've sort of boxed ourselves into a corner, right? Like we 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 made the interviews look very cinematic and all in one location, and and now we're boxed in because <laughs> any interviews that we do that aren't in that under those circumstances is going to look you know like super jarring. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so but there is that problem with, you know, holding yourself up to a high standard and doing a good job in the first place, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> which is which is, you know, I guess we're 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 seeing the sort of flip side of that, but Yeah. Um, well, Joseph, yeah. we like to give people, you know, their flowers obviously while they're here and I think that more and more we're we're seeing the uh the unfortunate other side of that thing. So while we have you on the line, uh, thank you for what you did 15 years ago with MTV's uh, My Block. I think that was, uh, it's it's not hyperbole to say that 
that that really did move this culture to a national platform unlike we had seen before. And um, to go down to Houston, to go to, to Chicago, to go to different places and expose the rest of the nation to pockets of the country that now I think we all sort of take for granted. Now it's like, oh yeah, of course there's rappers from Houston who are like super popular. Of course there's rappers from the Midwest that, you know, are, are on your radio every day. Or the Bay or, or anywhere. Anywhere. Now, now it's like just normal. Back then it was a new thing. And, uh, and that really did start with you guys taking your cameras down to uh, places that we hadn't been before. Man, that is incredibly sweet of you guys to say. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm very touched by that. Do you have any particularly good stories from that time in your career? Yeah, I mean, it's funny that my block Houston was um, about a. It, that was an idea that uh, I pitched about a year after I'd started at MTV, and I came in as a writer. And six months later, I produced my first piece. And six months after that, I pitched this my block thing. And originally, it was um, pitched as a series of five different stories on houston and it would because you know mtv used to do this thing where they'd have like hip-hop week on mtv2 yeah, yeah. proper so i said let's let's take over let's have houston take over for the entire week and these are the stories i want to do and those went so well that at the end my boss at the time ocean mcadams yeah he's like why don't we why don't we comp this together into a 30-minute show let's give it a title and and let's put it up and see how it does. So we did that and it did great. Like it was, it was sort of, um, it was surprising the numbers that it did. And, and the thing that really surprised everybody is that every time it did a repeat, it would get the same numbers. Wow. So wh whether it was on at three 30 in the afternoon or at like midnight, it would pull in like 500,000 viewers. That's dope. And so they kept repeating it. And then, and then a week later they're like, listen, we want you to do another one. What, where, where's next? And so we did my block Memphis. Um, and then I think after Memphis, we did the Bay, Puerto Rico, um, Miami, uh, Atlanta, Chicago and Virginia Beach. Did you ever think so. about just like making up some scenes just so you could go for the trip? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. In in two in two thousand six, I got a call from someone um, inside the building, uh, an attorney at MTV who was representing a rapper named Drake from Toronto. Wow! And they wanted to do a My Block episode in Toronto. And you laughed and, and like, laughed and laughed. I laughed and I laughed. <laughs> I mean, well, what's funny actually, because like on my, my indie backpack hip hop roots, like I knew enough rappers in Toronto, right? Like who had come from Toronto sure. through, the, through the years. But like it was, you know, the, the sort of the magic um, sweet spot for, for my block was, um, you know, scenes that were underground that were about to pop right yeah and the a block was always the artist that you most recognize but then i always like to do an artist that you're going to hear about in the future and then also a segment we do on something um really just for like the heads um so like i remember when we did my block memphis we did um a segment on the barquets wow uh, who were on stacks yeah, yeah totally and and the connection was that Jazzy Faye, who his was father, the top, yeah, yeah, his father was in the Barcades. Absolutely. And so we did a segment on on Jazzy Faye and his father, and how his father is one of the people that didn't get on the plane with Otis Redding when yeah. Otis Redding's plane went down. Yeah. 
And and for me to be able to do that on MTV was always like, there's always one segment like that in every episode. Um, what was funny about shooting that whole series, though, is that we would go into a city for like two weeks at a time. Um, and we would, and this is when I was a lot younger. So we would shoot all day. And then at night, we'd just go out all night with like the locals or with people who like, like Three Six Mafia took us to the strip club two nights in a row. Wow. Wow. Um, and, and, and we would get maybe like two hours of sleep a night. <laughs> and it's like, I look back on that now and I'm like, I, I don't even know how I survived that. You really did Memphis right. What was that? I said you really did Memphis right. We did. It's funny because there's a lesson that Juicy J imparted on us back then. This was 2005, yeah. And he he um, we were sitting in the back of his uh, Maybach, and he he's like he just he didn't want to like we were sitting and waiting for the rest of the crew to come, and he's like we can't we can't just sit here. We've got to drive around. And I was like, well, why? They'll be here any minute. He's like, nah. He's like, you don't understand. A sitting duck always gets plucked. Oh. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, okay. And I didn't really know what he meant. And then we shot at Three Six Mafia is like the first house they lived in in Memphis. And within 15 minutes, there was like 25 people there. Oh my god! Within 45 minutes there was like 150 people there. Wow. And then, and then by the time we were done with the interview, like it, it was a, it was a bit of a scene and like the cops had to break it up. Wow. Um, who is the, who is the, is the rapper that you met throughout all of these, you know, trips around the United States that you found had a following that you were particularly impressed by? You mean unexpectedly? Sure. Um, I don't know, man. Chingo Bling. Yeah? Yeah, like like Chingo Bling had a huge following in Houston in 2005. I think primarily because he sell, sold tamales out of his trunk. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, like, but like he was like, he was big in 2005. Yeah, but like was, how, how did that reveal itself? I mean, we saw this dude um, driving around Houston selling tamales out of his trunk. And uh, and Matt Sanzala was like, oh, that's Chingo Blake. And I was like, okay. And then I like listened to his music and I saw him on these mixtapes and I was like, we got, this is, this will make good TV. It's not necessarily music I listened to out of Houston, sure, but it would just make great television. By the way, so that's so interesting to me because like hearing it now, like in, with, with 2020 years, I'm like, oh, you would just research, you would just look things up online. But Back then, uh, you had to actually—you were going down there and you were discovering for yourself what the scene was like before actually reporting on it. I mean, sort of like we—you know—I think based on like I—I I knew going into Houston that we wanted to interview X Y Z. Right? It starts with Bun B yep. and UGK doing that story. Mike Jones was big, and 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 that's really that was the impetus for the entire show. Was was uh, still tipping. There you go. Yeah. And, but then when you're down in when you're down there and then you start right it's like you do what, what any of us do whenever we go anywhere it's like you ask the people that you love and respect what they're listening to and 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 that's how we found Chameleonaire, for example and, that, and actually that's not true because we we knew Chameleonaire from still tip in the original version mm-hmm. but like but like you'll find people i think trey songs when we did virginia beach it was his first time on television because when we asked people down in 
in Virginia Beach, like, what are you listening to from 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 down here? They were like, oh, this dude Trey songs. That's crazy. And so he wasn't signed yet. I think he was just, I think he was just coming out, but it was his first time on TV. I remember his mom was like our age. <laughs> his mom was gorgeous and she invited us to her home and we had we had dinner uh with trey and his mom and he was just from he was it was just like oh this dude actually has skills it's a good story and then you know you make a few calls and you, and you realize oh yeah this guy's actually gonna be something so man um yeah joseph what do you think when you uh watch verses these days and and you see things like um, a Nelly versus uh, Ludacris coming up this weekend, or even if you think back to the Scott Storch thing and, and your relationship with Scott when you did that documentary um, only a couple of years ago, now to have him, you know, recognized for music that you know he he still has a, a career ongoing, but a lot of these guys, Babyface and Teddy Riley, have catalog music that are you know being discovered these days by younger and younger generations. What do you think when you when you see these artists there? I mean, I love it. I, and I love what you guys are doing, even just when you're saying, like, giving people flowers while they're alive. Like, I appreciate that personally, what you guys just said, but I know that that's your spirit. And I think that that is really important. I mean, it's, it's such a weird thing, right? Like, if I told you an artist that I'm listening to right now that you guys hadn't heard of, within 10 minutes, you could find everything they've ever done. Yeah. And, and so you know i think having some sort of other connection with these artists whether whether kids say no these artists are not but being able to um have some sort of connection have some sort of experience um you know a lot of us our favorite artists are because like we first heard them on a mixtape or we first met them or we saw them perform live like you need some sort of connection in order to like uh fall in love with something and i think that um, you know, leave it to hip hop to get creative during a pandemic and create these opportunities for people to not only feel nostalgic and relive moments and, 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 and for people who don't know those artists to discover those artists, but also the sense of community, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like that's, that's been the most amazing thing is like, I see you guys up in the, I, I see you guys up in the, the live stream, yeah. uh, Instagram lives. Yeah, like, yeah. like, it's cool to see like, when you join a live stream of D nice spinning and there's like, or Questlove and there's like 15 people, you know, that are also doing the same thing. Like, that's cool. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's also great too watching like uh, the songwriters down in Atlanta, like Brian Michael Cox has been doing a series that's been like really cool where like people are just sharing stories and it's like sort of a live podcast or some sort of like, panel discussion that you yeah. would see it feels like 90 92nd street why yeah totally like to to have two professionals sort of just talk about the inside baseball of their profession yeah like yeah. And you just never really got to see that outside of like a, a paid environment and so to get it for free is it's just amazing yeah it's also just like i mean you guys have done enough interviews where like you know when when sometimes you're in the studio with somebody and I remember this from like my, my, my writing days is like when you're like hanging out in the studio with somebody and like another artist comes by and you like witness a conversation they're having about their craft. Yeah. yeah. Like now, now that's like at, 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 at our fingertips. Right. And I think one, I think the artists are bored as shit themselves. Yeah. They're willing to talk to everybody, but two, it's just like being able to have access to that is incredible. But, but the funny thing is, is like, 
you know, like Bun B will do, will 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 DJ like a New Orleans two two nights. He did New Orleans sets. Yeah, last it's week, so right? good, yeah. And it's so good, and it, and you're like, when when in the world would you ever have an opportunity to listen to like a set from Bun B of his favorite Louisiana tracks? It's you yeah. know. That's, and that's, sometimes there's sometimes there's like two thousand people in there, and sometimes there's like there's one hundred fifty people in there, and you're just like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah. yeah. By the way, you know, like you and and we have been to a zillion events. I think one of the last times that I was outside was we actually ran into each other at Questlove's birthday party. Yes. Um. At which was like an extravagant affair. He he rented out a movie house and he had like different events throughout the day. Watched five different movies with. Uh, eight different food courses like it was insane but i was wondering what's like an event that popped out to you that like you you know over your years in the industry that was just like so unforgettable you were just like i cannot believe that i was in this place um wait what's what's the question (laughs) just that like you were talking about like how how Bun B was uh, DJing and how, like, in, in what world would you be able to see that? And then that led me to think about the time that we saw you at Questlove's birthday party, and I was just like, oh, you want to know what? Like, what's a, a, a an event or a space that you've been in that you were just like, this is a crazy place that I actually am, like, in, I'm here in real life? Yeah. Um, I mean... There's a lot of those, man. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I but let's talk about Questlove's birthday party for a second. Like, like he he, I can't even imagine how much money he spent on that. Oh, to, to curate his birthday for all of us. It was it was pretty special. Yeah. Wait, and wait like, what did you? What, what what movie did you guys see? We we, we were, were there for the early end. Well, okay, so Questlove sort of forgot to invite us, <laughs> and then he DM'd us, and he was like, "By the way, you don't know about this thing, but it's like." tomorrow <laughs> and i'd love for you to be there but the only slot that you can go to is the first one which is early in the morning it's cartoons and cereal now eric and i do not like cartoons nor do we like cereal like sugar cereal really nor do i really like getting up early to go to brooklyn but we do like quest love we love quest love and we also love you know just like going to things and so we uh we trekked all the way out there we took our brother dan and uh we had a really enjoyable time it was yeah a, it, it was, was the a best fun, it was a fun time i had a, I, I had a I, great time i got the same email about an hour before you guys probably <laughs> because i was able to make it to the coming to america screening. oh it's so dope yeah it's a yeah. great one but but you guys got the full live experience with like people and games oh yeah and whatever and then i heard when they did goodfellas uh, later that that day, it was like a it was like an eight course meal, right? Yeah, like every yeah. time they ate on screen, like you got a meal served at your seat. And I kind of wish I was there for that, Joseph. You know, I'm I'm not the you know I like to have my birthday parties like a dinner with like my my friends that I've known the longest. You know, I'm not super into like the bigger, more extravagant like everybody show up and do a birthday thing. Well, not right yet. there with you. Well, I, I'm saying I'm saying more and more these days when I see all these Zoom birthday parties, I'm like, man. I cannot wait until this is all over and we can actually gather <laughs> with other human beings and celebrate and yeah. spend. I hate Zoom birthdays. It's, it's pretty bad. 
Yeah. I'm okay. never flaking on an invite ever again in my life. <laughs> no. You know who had it right this entire time was John Carmonica, who had, you know, this this reunion that it felt like uh, every year. Although our mom, every time we told her we're going to John's birthday party where we would run into all of our friends that we hadn't seen since last year, she'd be like, yeah. has it been a year already? <laughs> yeah, she's like, like, I feel like John has like six birthdays yeah. a year. <laughs> but he's, he's no, always it's doing so it right. Funny, but it's exactly right. Like you go to John's birthday party at Bonds to see not only John, but all the other people you haven't seen since John's last birthday party. <laughs> it's it's pretty spectacular. And you know what? There's a lot that I miss from the outside world. Uh, one of those is running into you, Joseph, when we see you outside. Uh, we're sending you our love. We appreciate you. Thanks for everything. Uh, we'll be checking in, obviously. And, uh, and until then, be safe. Likewise, guys. Thank you for this. Shout out to Joseph Patel. Shout out to Parks from the Joe Button Podcast. And shout out to Ezra Koenig. Jeff, are we back tomorrow? We are back tomorrow. <laughs> we are also back Sunday. And then after that, we'll be back in a week. As yeah. always, guys, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Brrr.